Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to New Hope. Um, just got a couple announcements. First, Miss Madeline Hicks is going to come make an announcement. You just, you just want to do them all? No. <laughs> um, it says on the back of the bulletin that the Honduras bags are supposed to be on the pew. Uh, they are not there uh, this Sunday, but they will be next Sunday for people to pick up. Thank you. Um, there again, on the back of the bulletin, there's a couple other announcements. Uh, there's going to be a women's Bible study. It's going to start on Wednesday um, t- on 10-13 at 10-30 a.m. This is Beth Cameron will be leading it. It's going to be limited to 12 women. Um, Sign-up sheets on the table in front of the office, or you can contact Sandy uh, Melton. It says additional men and women's studies will be offered in the coming weeks. And from the, uh, the nomination committee. It says, thank you for serving the Lord at New Hope. If you wish to rotate off your current committee for the coming year, please contact Austin Turner, Brenda Schartz, or myself, um, preferably one of the other two. But um, <laughs> we, uh, just, we'll take care of that. So uh, as we come to our time of worship, let's, let's think about the reason why we're here this morning. You know, we're here to worship and praise God. You know, that's why the order of worship is laid out like it is, first singing and praising God. Right, bringing glory to God. And then we sit down and we open his word. See, the praising and the singing is for him, and then the opening of the word is for us. Right? He wrote his word. He don't even know what's in it. We do. Right? <laughs> but keep that in mind as we sing this morning and sing to praise God. Right? Let's pray. Amen. God, thank you for today, for letting us be here together, just to come into your house and worship you. God, I pray that uh, you would just, um, just clear our minds and hearts uh, from everything that's going on and that we can just focus on worshiping you god thank you for loving us thank you for your grace thank you for this time we have to come worship you in your name we pray amen well good morning that's pretty good for a first response normally you have to ask two or three times before you get a decent response i think we'll go with one today that was pretty good um well this morning as we begin our our time of of diving into the word and, and hearing what god would say to us today i invite you to turn to your neighbor And in your most spiritual voice, turn to your neighbor and say, God loves what you're looking at. Turn to your neighbor and just say, God loves what you're looking at. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a compliment, considering how many people started laughing as soon as the other one said it. but, uh, But it is good to be with you today. I played a few games of softball. Uh, on your field out back, uh, and I think the last time I was in the church uh, was when the church hosted the, the Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association annual meeting, and I was here representing Gardner-Webb, so it was good to be here for that, um, and as I understand it, uh, uh, Russ had a pretty busy weekend, um, and so uh, and, uh, so it, it is good to be with you today. I'm honored that he asked me uh, to, to fill his pulpit today. Um, and so my name is Aaron Hinton. Uh, I live in the bustling metropolis of Boiling Springs, North Carolina, uh, pretty similar to Earl. Um, and so I live there with my wife, uh, Downey. Some of you may know her as Downey Washburn. So now if you hear the last name, you know why I live in Boiling Springs. Um, so uh, I'm married to Washburn and uh, her, her mom and dad are Harry and Sherwin Washburn. And so um, uh, they've been in this area for a long time. And so I moved, we moved back here in 2011. Uh, after I spent a good while down at Fort Caswell. Some of you may be familiar with Caswell. 
the Baptist Camp and Conference Center down there. So I worked down there and ran the summer staff program and several other things for Caswell. Uh, and then we moved here for, for me to go to seminary at Gardner-Webb, but uh, really for my wife to be close to home. <laughs> so she said, she said, it's time to move, and I said, yes, ma'am. Um, so, that, I, no, I'm just kidding. She had to work on me a little longer than just one question. Uh, but we were, we're happy to be in Bowling Springs, been here for uh, just over 10 years now. Um, and I have a special connection to this church. Some of you may know a young lady named Melissa Ostell Bradshaw. Um, and Melissa and my wife were best buds growing up, um, and Melissa was in our wedding. So uh, Melissa will always hold a special place in our hearts. Um, and so uh, it's, uh, it's good to be connected to this church in, in many different ways. Um, as we begin this morning, um, I'd just like us to begin with just a short prayer. And I'm going to pray a couple verses from the, the Psalms, uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll begin our time together. So would you pray with me? Dear Lord, as the psalmist says, your word is right and true, and you are faithful in all that you do. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. God, as we begin to dive into your word today, I pray that you would push me aside and show us your cross. God, help us to leave this place today a changed people for you. It's in your precious and holy son's name, I pray. Amen. Well, I've only preached one funeral in my life. I'm 39 years old. I realize that makes me young in age and young in ministry, but I've only preached one funeral in my life. I've preached many messages for youth camps, Disciple Now weekends, and I've done a good bit of this where I fill in on a Sunday morning for pulpit supply in various churches around the county from Earl to Kayser um, and all things in between. And I've preached in several churches across the state of North Carolina, but I've only preached one funeral. And at this point, you're probably thinking, great. Russ is gone for the day, and this guy's starting off with a story about a funeral. We're in for a doozy. Stick with me. But you see, it's not just that I've only preached one funeral. It's the person that I preached the funeral for. I've never met the man. I didn't, I didn't know him. If you showed me a picture of him right now, I could not identify the one person I preached a funeral for. I never shook his hand. But this man had a tremendous impact on my life. He not only changed the course of my life, but, but my entire family's. And many years later, I found myself in a God-sized moment that only he could orchestrate, preaching his funeral. But I'll tell you a little more about that later. Our, ver our verses today come from the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it and follow along with us, or they'll be on the screen. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And I would be willing to bet that verse 1 will be a very familiar verse to many of you. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm going to read that again. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then our text goes on to talk about what many refer to as the roll call of the faithful. You'll, you'll recognize some of these names. They're very familiar stories, maybe from your time at VBS and Vacation Bible School, or growing up in the church, or youth group, or 
maybe the material he mentioned just a minute ago, many of these stories are very, very familiar to us. They are incredible stories. And if you don't know these stories, I highly recommend you go check them out. But they all follow this similar pattern. These are just, many of them were plain, ordinary people. And when you look at what happened in their story, it says that they had faith in God, and through that faith, God did extraordinary things through their life. So let's look at this. In verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel. Verse 5, By faith, Enoch. Verse 7, By faith, Noah. 8, By faith, Abraham. 11, And by faith, even Sarah. So you're starting to hear some of these very familiar names. Verse 20, By faith, Isaac. 21, by faith, Jacob. 22, by faith, Joseph. 24, by faith, Moses. 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. 31, by faith, Rahab. 32, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, You see this pattern? By faith, and then something miraculous happens. Verse 39, They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When we are hopeful, we do. When we are hopeful, we act. When we have assurance and our confidence about what we do not see, we act. Children are a great example of this. When I tell my children, if you eat your vegetables, you might get dessert. A lot of times they eat their vegetables in the hopes that they will get the reward on the other side. Now, there's no guarantee that they will get it, but they trust that their father is good. No, I'm just kidding. But they trust that there is something. They trust, they hope for something if they do, if they have faith in this moment. My daughter Reese is funny. I have three kids, seventh grade, third grade, and now kindergarten. Reese is our youngest. And Reese will eat some cookies, and then later on, if her brothers get ice cream, she'll say, well, I I want ice cream. We'll say, Reese, you've already had cookies. And she'll say, but, but I wanted ice cream. Well, but you've already had cookies. Oh, I didn't want cookies. <laughs> well, you've already had cookies, but I want ice cream. Well, you can't have it. You already had cookies, but I didn't want cookies. <laughs> Baby, that's not how this works. I'm sorry. But children are a great example of when they hope for something, they act in a certain way. But they're not, they're not alone in that. What about athletes or musicians? They practice in a certain way to achieve something that is, they can't see yet. They can't obtain it yet. It's out there. But they hope for, and they act in a certain way to achieve it. I bet you may have even seen this in your own life. If you have hoped about something that you didn't see or acted in a certain way to get it. Anybody worked hard to get a promotion at work? Many of you might even finish your vegetables in the hopes that your spouse would let you eat ice cream too. How many of you 
are willing to take out the trash so that hopefully you can watch your favorite TV show without somebody fussing at you to take out the garbage. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a renewal. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. An inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That's interesting. You mean we work hard for Jesus because we know we will receive something? You have faith that you will receive something good from the Lord, even when you can't see it. You have faith that it will be there. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. To to paraphrase author Oswald Chambers in his devotion book, My Utmost for His Highest, he says, we have faith in God, and mysteriously God has faith in us. Chambers also writes that faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. We don't know where God will lead us. I heard a speaker named John Acuff say it this way one time. When we say yes to God, there's a comma. Now, I, don't, I can't explain all of the grammar things that I'm sure an English major or, or an English teacher in the room might be able to explain. But when you see a comma in the sentence, is there more after that or is that the end? Well, there's more. There's more to the story. There's something else that follows. So when we say yes to God, there's a comma. We don't know what's after the comma. We don't know where God will lead. We don't know how he will guide. But we know that there's more to come. Faith in what is in front of us. Confidence and assurance about what we do not see. Let's look at the examples that we have in our passage today from the Old Testament. Because of their faith, they acted. We must remember that they didn't know what would happen next. It's really easy on this side of Scripture to hear these stories and to look at these texts and go, well, of course they did that. Look at how the story turned out. Well, of course they had faith because look at what happened. But we have to remember the human element of these stories. They didn't know how this was going to work out. But by faith, they acted. Because God called them to, Abraham took his one and only son, Isaac. His one and only son. The one that God had promised to him and assured him his many descendants would come from. Abraham took him and to offer him as a sacrifice. He didn't know that his son would ultimately not be the sacrifice that day. He didn't know that God would provide a lamb. He didn't know the end of the story. But by faith, he went. Because God called them to go, Moses and the Israelites left Egypt, and Pharaoh and the Egyptian army were closing in and breathing down their neck, and the people watched Moses raise his staff and part the Red Sea. Remember the old movie, The Ten Commandments? The great scene with Charlton Heston lifting the staff and the Red Sea parts. It's a great old movie if you've never seen it. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be the Israelites? To watch the Red Sea part, and then to walk across the still wet mud with walls of water on either side of you. Imagine if you're in this sanctuary and these walls are made of water. I'm sure there was a moment where they said, you know, 
that side's a whole lot closer than that side over there. Why don't we just turn around and go back to Egypt? But instead, by faith, they crossed the Red Sea. One foot in front of the other. One step at a time. By faith. How about Rahab? who, by the way, was a prostitute in her day job. She welcomed the spies sent to her by Joshua, and she hid them in her home and protected them from the king of Jericho, even though she didn't know the outcome. She knew that if she was caught, she could be put to death. But by faith, she welcomed the spies into her house. Biblical scholars say that these verses from Hebrews talk about faith as being gift and action. God gives us the ability to have the action, and, and then by faith, we put that faith into action through believing in Him. Through our faith in Him, through our belief in God, we act. Think about the characters from the New Testament and how their stories refre- reflect this faith. By faith, Joseph took Mary to be his wife, the unwed pregnant, teenage Mary. You ever think about that? By faith, Joseph took Mary to be his wife and named the baby Jesus. By faith. By faith, Martha proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God who had come into the world. By faith, Paul, who at one point did everything he could to kill Christians and to squash the Christian faith. He planted churches, and he wrote letters, and he discipled those that would come after him, and he went on, what he wrote went on to become half of our New Testament. God inspired the words of Paul to become what we now know as Scripture. By faith, Paul. When my dad was in the sixth grade, a man came to his church and, and talked about being a missionary in Africa. And so after the, my grandfather was a pastor, his name was Russell Hinton. For those of you who have been in the community for a long time, you may recognize that name. He was at Oak Grove, and then he finished uh, before his uh, untimely death. He was at Double Shoals. Um, and so my grandfather was a pastor in this community, and so he welcomed this guy, this missionary from Africa. And after the sermon of, the, of that night, the guy came back to my dad's house and talked with him and, and talked with my grandparents. And my dad, in the sixth grade, remember going into his bedroom and saying, God, if you call me to go to Africa, I'll go. Fast forward to when my dad was a senior in college at Morris Hill. He and my, my, my mom were getting ready to be married, and they, they had decided that they would spend the next two years with the old foreign mission board on the journeyman program as missionaries. There were two places in the world where they could go that matched up with their skill set, teaching English and teaching music. One of those places was East Africa in the country of Tanzania. So my dad and mom agreed to go to Tanzania. And as they went, they, they, they lived there at a seminary. And they taught, uh, my mom taught English. My dad taught music. And they did a lot of work in the churches there sharing the gospel. And one day, my dad was talking with his neighbor. And he started talking with him. And the more they talked, the more they talked. My dad said, do you happen to know my father, Russell Hinton? He said, I sure do. I stood in your house when you were in the sixth grade. The same guy that, called, that talked about Africa to my dad in the sixth grade was his neighbor in Africa. 
Y'all hold on, this story gets crazy. Fast forward 35 years. I feel like God is stirring Africa in my heart. Africa is a really big place if you hadn't looked at a map lately. So I had no idea what that meant. Some of you may know Tracy Jessup. Tracy is our campus minister at Garden Web. He is a wonderful Christian man. I called Tracy and I said, Tracy, I, I just got to tell somebody that God is stirring Africa in my heart. And Tracy said, that's great. Keep praying. I mean, what, what else was he going to do at that point? A couple months later, a guy walks into my office. Sir, have we ever met? We've never met. How long did it take you to realize you've never met me? Yeah, immediately. Not very long. So a guy walks into my office, and I've never met him, ever. And so he walks in trying to find someone that he had prayed with that summer about where his daughter would go to college. He is at Gardner-Webb for a nursing preview day, and a lady who only knows about Caswell because I've worked there, she's from the Midwest, he walks into her office and says, I need to talk to somebody that I met at Caswell. And Miss Lisa said, well, you must have met Aaron. Sends him to my office, and he walks in. Never met the guy in my life. He sits down, and I'm just being hospitable at that point, and I said, tell me about yourself. And he said, well, my family and I just got off the mission field. Really, where'd you serve? East Africa. What country? Tanzania. What city? Arusha. The same city that my mom and dad had served in 35 years before. I said, okay, God, I'm listening. Through a series of events, God connected me to his pastor friends. I end up taking my dad back to Tanzania for the first time in 35 years. We are in Tanzania for my second trip where I've taken my mom, my dad, and my sister back, a lifelong dream of my parents, back to the place that they served as missionaries. And while we are there, one of the pastors who we worked with, his name was Alfio. Alfio's father passes away at, the, at age 100. They don't have very good birth records in Tanzania, so we think he was about 100 years old. Alfio's father, Marco, passes away. And they come to me, we go to the house to, to greet Alfaio, and we had worked with him for a couple years, and so we go to the house to tell him we were so sorry about the, about the loss of his father. And, he's, and, and, and they, as we're leaving, Michael, who's my main connection, Michael Nahonia, Michael says to me, Aaron, they want you to preach the first of four funeral services. They have a tradition where they do four funeral services. They said, Aaron, we want you to preach the first funeral service. And I said, when is that? And he said, tonight at 5 o'clock. I'll come pick you up and bring you back up here. Your mom and dad can stay and do other things. I'm going to bring you back up here. And I said, I've never preached a funeral for anybody in America in English, let alone on a hillside where I'm the only person that has this shade of skin and I'm one of two people in the room that speaks English. I'm going to preach my first funeral for a guy I've never met through a translator. I began to discover what Marco had done in his life. You ready for this? I was on the side of this mountain called Mount Meru, the, the land that Marco's family owned for many years. He was a Messiah leader. And what I discovered that afternoon before I preached his funeral 
was that Marco welcomed the first Baptist missionaries to that area. Marco, in turn, gave part of his family farm to the, to the Baptist church for the first Baptist church to be built in that area of Tanzania. One hillside over, they built the East African International Baptist Seminary where my mom and dad served as missionaries for two years. Then you fast forward 35 years later. This guy lived to be 100 years old. And of all the days of his life, he happened to pass away. I'd been in that country for 10 days at that moment in history, cumulative in my life. He passed away during one of my trips there. And I was able to tell the people of Tanzania, by faith, Marco welcomed Baptist missionaries, and my life was forever changed. I was able to share the gospel at his funeral on a hillside to Messiah people who were not Christian because of the faith of Marco, a guy I never met who welcomed the first Baptist and the first missionaries there 75 years ago. Y'all, I can't write that story. That's a script Hollywood can't come up with. In the middle, we talked about earlier in the prayer, the middle of the chaos of this world, there are things that go on when people say yes to God that you cannot explain. I, I, cannot, I could not have sat down and gone, all right, I'm going to come up with a cool story that I can share at New Hope Baptist Church when I go preach there. Let me write this story out. I couldn't have written this story. This is crazy. But when you say yes to God, God can do miraculous things through ordinary people. He can weave your story together in such a way that it is absolutely amazing. By faith, Marco, when, when God called him to show hospitality, he welcomed those first missionaries. And my life was forever changed. Because of the faith of a man I never met, my parents were called to be missionaries in a place that I would later be called to serve. What will be written of your story of faith? When it is all said and done, what will follow the comma in your story? By faith, Joe, Jonathan, Bill, Sally, Emily, insert your name here. By faith, Comma, what will you do by faith? 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful. If you are faithful to God, He will be faithful to you as He has been yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is calling you this week to be a part of this church. You said yes to come to church today when you could have said no. What will you say yes to this week? Because let me tell you something. You don't have to go halfway around the world to have an amazing story with God. God is doing amazing things right here in this county this week. And he wants you and this church to be a part of it. By faith, what will New Hope Baptist Church do? I see a couple options on here. Maybe it's packing a Honduras Christmas bag. Maybe it's participating in the mission trip to Canton. I don't know what he's calling you to do. 
It may just be to go across the street and mend a relationship with a neighbor or a family member. It may be, who knows? But by faith, what is God calling you to do today? The invitation today is simple. Will you say yes to what God has in store for you? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are still working in a mighty, mighty way. God, we thank you that when we say yes to you, we have no idea what else can happen. But by faith, we will walk. By faith, we will act. And we will have confidence and assurance because you are a good God who is in control. In the midst of the chaos, you are in control. To God, help us today. Give us the strength to leave this place and do what you have called us to do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus today and leave this place walking by faith in him. Would you stand and sing as we close?